Welcome to the Gap Church Podcast, where we're filling the gap through freedom and the truth. Please enjoy this week's message. Good afternoon. All right, I know I look strange, and I'm clearly wearing denim on denim, so it's like, what is she doing up here? Um, my name is Abby Abordering. I'm privileged to serve here. I am privileged to serve here at the Gap Church. And one of the ministries that I do privilege to serve under is also RCF at UTA. Where are my college students at? Welcome back. I wanted to give you guys a shout out. So welcome, welcome back. Um, are we excited to receive the word of the Lord for this hour? <laughs> it's not a bad thing to show emotion when it comes to the things of God. I just want to make that very clear. Um, I was thinking about the concerts that's been happening over the last couple of weeks and the people will be shouting like, oh my God, he sang my song. Oh my God, he called me up. Like, if you do that for the things that are not, they're not going to give you nothing. All you got there is all you're going to receive. But when you come to the King of Glory and his presence, what do you do with that time? Right? Anyways, that's not my message, but um, thank you so much for being here. Um, I want to appreciate our amazing leaders that week in, week out, they give us the word. Thank you, thank you. Can we do better than that, please? We have a couple, about 100 people here. Week in, week out, they're sharing the word, and it is not easy. It is not easy. When I was preparing for it today, I had to text one of them. I was like, hey, just so you know, I honor you. Um, <laughs> because it's not easy. And I want to also give a thank you to our HOs and our volunteers. Thank you for what you do every single Sunday. May the Lord honor you. And thank you, church, for being here at our Sunday 11.30 a.m. service. So thank you, thank you so much for being here. So let's dive into the word. Um, can you please show on the screen, let's turn our Bible or open the phone to 1 King 18, verse 21. 1 King 18, 21. Thank you, media team. Um, Elijah approached all the people and said, how long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord God is God, if the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people of Israel did not answer him so much as a word. The next translation, please. Then Elijah stood in front of them and said, how much longer will you waver, hobbling between two opinions? If the, Lord God, if the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. But the people were completely silent. The next translation. And Elijah came near unto all the people and said, how long go ye limping between two sides? If Jehovah be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, not a word. How is it that a people that God called his chosen, that people that God saved and he kept showing and proving himself time after time, they could not answer if they were for God or they were for Baal. How is it that they've seen God move, but at the sight of a king who did not respect God, they were not able to stand in the midst of that because their faith was shaky. They didn't understand that, hey, like I've heard about God, I've seen God, but they didn't have something within them that, that positioned them for what, that positioned them to be able to answer that question. If that question ever comes to you, and it may not be verbatim, and you keep silence, then you should know you're a part of the problem. The Lord is looking for those who are his in this season. The Lord is looking for people that he will say, hey, this person is my child. When, um, that, that enemy was going through and through the world in the book of Job. 
God literally highlighted Job among everyone on the earth and said, have you seen my servant Job? Can he say that other people in the Gap Church? Have you seen my servant so-and-so? Have you seen my daughter? Have you seen my son? She serves me. She seeks me. And it's not for fashion or for show, but she seeks me with her whole heart. Have you seen her? There is an urgency in the spirit. There is an alarm that is, being, that is going off. If you can hear it, I please beckon on you to please answer. The Lord is looking. How long go ye limping between the two sides? He's looking for those who are his. Let's go to the book of Galatians 5, verse 19 to 21. As I was studying, the Lord was just showing and highlighting this to me. If you don't know what the side of Baal looks like, if you don't know what the side of this world looks like, the book of Galatians highlights it perfectly clear. If you're ever not sure, just go to, that, go to the Bible. The behavior of the self-life is obvious. Sexual immorality. And I began to ask myself, why did he start with sexual immorality? In our generation, in our day and age, we still have Christians, and I'm going to unveil and cover a lot of these sins. We still have Christians who are actively fornicating, actively sinning when the Lord God says, don't do that. Why did he start with sexual immorality? I was wondering, maybe it's because it's the easiest to do. They knew that we'll have all these urges, and the urges, yes, they are from God, but the God has given you the ability to control them and put them under subjection. The Bible now says lustful thoughts. If you thought, oh, hey, I'm not sinning, but you got that thought up there in your head. You do everything but make the approach. You strip the person off in your head. Already that's a lustful thought. The next says pornography. I'm not actively engaging in this thing, but I watch it on the TV. And therefore those who say, I don't go onto, the, onto that side, but you watch soft porn. Fifty Shades of Grey, hello. You may not actively go to that side because you know your mom or dad, they're probably going to watch it. Or if you're in school, the university, they've already banned those sites. So you're like, eh. So I'm going to like settle for this. Being envious of the blessing of others, you are jealous of what other people have instead of engaging God for yourself. You are manipulating others. You sow discord between different people. You go here, you go there, you're saying, you're carrying gossip around. You tell people different things you're not supposed to say. Then hatred of those who get in your way. She keeps, for those who drive, like, why are they cutting me off? Every single time we have our rage, is it rage road drivers over here? Road rage, thank you. So hatred of those who get in your way. This person is succeeding. This person is advancing. But for some reason, you have a hate in your heart. How can you say you love God, but you hate somebody else? How can you say you love God, but everything else, that's, everything that looks like God in the flesh, you despise it? Then the next one is senseless arguments. Those who are in the Instagram comments, literally sowing discord. Oh, did you see this? Did you see that? Oh, yeah, she posted it. Oh yeah, that pastor, he doesn't know what he's saying. You are literally having senseless arguments. If the, if the Lord should come and ask you, what was this for? You'd just be like, I, I, I don't know. I was just talking to talk. Resentments when others are favored. Temper tantrums. Anger quarrels. Only thinking of yourself. Being in love with your own opinions. I, 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 I. Nobody else can tell me nothing. 
I teach myself, I understand, no, I'm good, I'm straight. I don't need a mentor. I don't need an advisor. I don't need somebody to support me. I got it all figured out. I am good by myself. Then ask yourself, why didn't God place you on an island? If you didn't need relationship, that's another one. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I don't need this relationship. I don't need that relationship. Every single thing that they do, toxic friend, cut it off. Okay. She told you the truth, but you said no. You love your opinion more than you love somebody else. Every single thing that looks like love. Ooh, that one got me. Every single thing that looks like love. The person wants to show you affection. They want to hug you. Just a Christian hug. We're like, no, I am good. <laughs> I am good. I don't need love. I am good by me, myself, and I. So these are the things that we serve whenever we're not serving God. If you're wondering what are the opinions I'm hobbling between, if you find yourself in any of this category, and I really feel and I sense and I know, the first one I said, sexual immorality, if you're doing it, please stop it. If you are cohabiting, please stop it. If you see the person outside of 10 p.m., you know you're going to sin. Touching things that you're not supposed to touch. All right, let's move on. And for those who say, hey, yeah, I'm not doing any of this. I got it all figured out. Please, can we open 1 Corinthians 10? 1 Corinthians 10 says, looking at it in one way, you could say anything goes because of God's immense generosity and grace. We don't have to dissect and scrutinize every action to see if it will pass under. But the point is not just to get by. We want to live well. I remember a couple years ago, and I'm going to be very, very transparent. I was asking, I was like, okay, I just, I was like, I was finally thinking, I'm sure we got serious. I was like, okay, is like oral sex bad? Like is, if I do it, is it bad? And this scripture came up. Like, you're like oh yeah, I'm not, I'm, oh Lord, Holy Spirit, help me. Can I do this? Okay. I'm not penetrating, but is it bad? The Bible says we don't have to dissect and scrutinize every action to see if it will pass. The point is not just to get by. Oh, yeah, I made it to heaven. I was, at least I made it by <laughs> those who just passed by like 69.5%. We want to live well. We want to live a holy and set apart life. I haven't even told you the topic today. The topic for today is pick one side. We want to live a holy and set apart life. So pick who do you choose to serve this day? If you don't have an answer, it is still an answer. Who do you choose to serve this day? And I was not hearing that because of us, a lot of people are mocking God. Because our generation doesn't take the things of God seriously. You will see people actually dressing like Jesus and they are beating and flogging Jesus because they are trying to make a mockery of the king of glory. How come? And for those who are saying, I'm too young, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 12, remember the Lord your God in the day of your youth. You are not young. If you have an Instagram account and nobody's monitoring, you're not young. If you can drive by yourself, you're not young. 
The Bible says in Romans 14 verse 5, and I'm just going to read the last, like 5b says, Let everyone be fully convinced, assured, satisfied in his own mind. Let everyone be fully convinced, assured, satisfied in his own mind. And to be convinced is that in your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, you're thoroughly permeated with the knowledge of something. You come to church every single Sunday, you carry something with you, but you need to allow everything to permeate the entire of who you are. Else you will find yourself doing what Galatians 5 verse 16 says you shouldn't do. Let everything thoroughly permeate you. So what are convictions? For those who are rising, convictions are based on the relationship and the intimacy you have of the one you are convinced about. If you say you come to church on Sunday, if you say that you are a Christian, if you answer that question, that means you carry conviction within you that just like the people of Israel, Elijah was asking them, you can answer, I stand for God. When they come to your school and they say, oh, hey, who are the people who are saved? You can raise up your hand and say, yes, I stand for him. You don't have to shy away from those conversations because you stand for the God who parted the Red Sea. You stand for the God who keeps you every single day. He puts breath in your lungs. This is the God that we stand for. So if we go to 1 Kings 16... We're going to be looking at the the verse before. So 1 Kings 16, verse 30 through 33. Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the king, of the Lord, than any of those before him. Verse 31. He not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, but he also married Jezebel, daughter of Ethbal, king of Sidonites, and began to serve Baal and worship him. So we have the king of Israel, who was supposed to be leading the people, the chosen people, God's people. And we find him, he sins more than every other king. His own was so bad. So people without conviction, the first thing is that you will find yourself set in the path of sinners. He found himself being married to Jezebel. He found himself being married to the, to the, to the contending spirit that was contending against the people of God. If you have friends that try to push you to do the Galatians 5, 16 to 21, you don't have conviction. You are standing in the path of sinners. You need to find that, hey, like, I need to be in kingdom relationships. You have to have kingdom partnerships. Else you will find yourself in horrible relationships that do not produce value. The next thing is that idolatry is guaranteed. In verse 32 of that same verse, he says, He set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal that he built in Samaria. Verse 33. Ahab also made Asherah pole and did more to arouse the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than did all of the other kings. So he disrespected God and now he made God angry. Idolatry, the definition of idolatry is that whenever you serve or worship God and anything, God and the anger, God and the jealousy, God and the lack of patience, Whenever you worship God and other things, you find yourself building, having idols. He was building an altar for the God that they served at that time. And if you want to know how you build an altar, I know it's not just the sticks and bones right now, but all you have to do is just serve something consistently. 
The Bible says that where your treasure is, that is where your life, that's where your heart lies. What does your heart run to in the midst of crisis? That's your idol. Where you don't know who to talk to, where you don't know where to go to. Where is your treasure? Where do you look for hope? That is your idol. Verse 3 is that there will be no rain. In 1 Kings 17 verse 1, we find that Elijah shows up on the scene after King Ahab had made a mockery of God. After he had built an idol as the king of a land, he was beauty, he built an altar for the, king of, for the God of Baal. And then Elijah shows up on the scene and he tells um, um, King Ahab, there will be no rain for three, and, three years. And I think there was no rain for three and a half years. When there is no rain, there's no fruitfulness. Without conviction, you cannot have the fruit of the Spirit. We keep trying to combat this sin. Hey, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to commit sexual immorality. I'm not going to be angry. I'm not going to go to the club. I'm not going to do this. But what you should seek after is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, self-control, goodness, faithfulness. There was no rain in the land and they were not able to eat. They, were, they, were little, they didn't have water. Their cattle was dying. The heavens were shut over them. When you do not have conviction, you find yourself in a cycle. The same sin the next year. Same relationship on a new face. Cycles. Identify the cycles in your life. If it feels like deja vu, it probably is. It's not a coincidence. You're making the same decision and expecting a different outcome. We need fruitfulness. But when you don't have conviction, you find yourself there is no rain and there cannot be fruits in your life. The Bible says, let's turn to Daniel 3. There are these three amazing Hebrew boys who for some reason they carried conviction more than the entire tribe of Israel at, in, in First Kings. They carried conviction. To give you a bit of a backstory here. At the time in Daniel 1, we have the people of Judah, which was um, dissected or taken out of the people of Israel. Babylon, which is the kingdom that King Nebuchadnezzar rules, they went to get the people of Judah and they took them captive, took them as slaves. And then they took the people that were of the royal lineage, that is Daniel... Misha, um, Daniel Shadrach, Misha, and Abednego, and they wanted them to train to be kind of to be like apprentices um, in in the in the economy system in the political system of Babylon at that time. So they found themselves in a very unusual situation in Daniel three, where Nebuchadnezzar he he was he thought he was so big, so he built himself a statue, basically an idol, and he asked the entire land of Israel, sorry, the entire land at that time to bow before the idol. But then these three guys, they show up on the scene and they basically say, we're not going to bow before God. Let's read the story together. It says, Shadrach, Mishkan, Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Verse 17, if this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. These three boys, they carried conviction that they were able to go before a king and say, hey, we are not going to bow before your idol. 
The Lord is looking for who will be just like the three Hebrew boys that will stand in that generation and say, hey, we're not going to bow before whatever the culture is dictating. The three Hebrew boys, to put it in perspective, they were about 13 or 14 at the time they were taken from captive. A lot of us are older than that age. Again, your Instagram account is not being watched by your parents. So they were 13 or 14 and they were going before this big king and they were saying, we're not going to bow down. What type of conviction did they carry? They knew something. They had an intimate knowledge. They were permeated with a revelation that they carried on the inside of them. I said, you know what? Hey, we are not going to bow down. Let's read verse um, 19. Sorry, back to 18. I'm 17. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the fiery burners and he will deliver us out of your hand. And that scripture says, um, even if he doesn't, we will still not bow down before you. So whether or not our God shows up, we are not bowing down because we know they carries conviction. They knew and they knew that this was wrong. They knew within the instant of them that, hey, whether or not we die, Jesus. So when you carry conviction, you can write this down. A convicted heart is one that would walk in the realm of faith. A convicted heart is one that would walk in the realm of faith. They trusted the God that they serve. To the point that even if he did not show up, they knew he was still God. People, if God doesn't show up in your situation, is he still God? If he doesn't show up on your timeline, will you still crown him king of kings? Or would you run to plan B? If God does not show up, would you keep waiting upon him? Would you keep waiting on the promises of God? Would you have self-control and hold yourself for the time being? I know it's hard. I know it's painful, but hold yourself. Wait for the institution that the Lord has created for this. Wait for the appointed time. O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. They had unusual faith in God. And the second thing is that a convicted heart is the one that fears God. Remember how I said that these people, they were from the tribe of Judah. They were from the lineage of Judah. How is it that even when they were in a strange land, in a strange place, they didn't have their parents, they did not have their friends with them anymore, but they still kept their eyes on Jesus. They were in an unfamiliar situation. They were slaves for crying out loud. The hometown, the town they knew they came from was basically gone and wiped out. They were young. They could have been scared, but they feared God. They served him. They remembered what are the things that I have learned in Sunday school. I learned when my, I saw my mom do this and I saw my dad do that. So I'm going to keep serving that God. They had a revelation for them. So they just, just carry a third party revelation. They feared God more than anything. How many know that the revelation that you know is what will keep you? Someone's knowledge of God does not keep you. That is why you have to go into the scripture every day. Lord, who are you? Who are you presenting yourself to be? How can you show up in my life? What have you been in times past? And that's exactly who is going to be today and tomorrow. They feared God. Only people that fear God will face a furnace and say, we're not going to bow down. 
How many of us, if we face the same situation, we'll just be like, hey, I'm sorry, I'm just going to kneel down. Tomorrow I'll go pray and beg God for repentance. They could have done that. They could have done that. Then verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury and the expression of his face changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This is why community is important. Good community. If Shadrach and Meshach said, hey guy, peace out. I am good. Abednego could have fell. But he had a good community. He had a good band of brothers that held him up. Who are the people you engage when you go into warfare, when you go into battle? Who are the people that you can call in the midnight hour? Hey, I need help. I'm about to do something crazy. Can you please show up right now? He ordered the furnace heated seven times, seven times more than it was usually heated. And verse 20 says, and he, and he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning fiery furnace. I don't know why they carried their clothes with them, but like they just did. And I think the scriptures kept it there for us that they, when they got into the fire, you will see what happened. 22, because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The fire was so hot that people that threw them in there, they were, they died themselves. Mind you, they serve the, the God. This is what happens when you serve, serve everything that is not God. You get burnt in the process as well. It might look good for the time being, but trust that there will become, your time of reckoning will come. It will come and ask you for the thing. Hey, I allowed you to do this. It's time to give it up. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered to the king, true, O king. He answered and said, but I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt. The third point is that a convicted heart is one that will wait and tarry long. Remember they said that even if he doesn't show up, we are not going to bow down. And they entered into the fire and who shows up? The appearance of the fourth is like a son of God. And basically this is a representation of God at that time to the people. When you wait and tarry long, the reality of your conviction shows up. It might not look like anything when you're going through your Bible every single day. You're just reading the same, you're reading the same John 3, 16. You're reading the same Psalm 1. But when situations, when the fiery furnace comes and you're thrown in, the reality of what you read two years, three years ago will show up and be in the fire with you and you will not get burned. If they did not carry conviction, they would have fell to the side. But every day they kept eating the word of God. Every day they kept praying. Every day they kept worshiping. And many years later, what they knew, their conviction was what showed up in a person. That's the person of Jesus. That's the person of Jesus. He likes to make a grand entrance, if you do not know. He did not show up before they got into the fire. They had to get into the fire and then he showed up. But if they did not have conviction, he wanted to see how long would they love me? How long would they serve me? 
And when they, when, how would you have, okay, imagine this. This was a fire that the people that threw them in died and got burned, but the people inside the fire did not die. And how they put them in was how they came out. Not even their clothes got burned. You will face circumstances in your life that will ask you who is your God. If you do not have conviction that will keep you, you will serve something else. I listened to so many things from Galatians 5 and I promise you it was uncomfortable for me. But that is the word of the Lord. God is asking what would be your conviction? Conviction, again, are based on the relationship and the intimacy you have of the one you're convinced about. You have to be fully persuaded, fully convinced that if God be for me, who can be against me? A thousand will fall at my side and ten thousand on my right side and none will come near my dwelling. He will keep in perfect peace those who gaze upon him. What words do you carry? What words do you carry? That's my question to you. What revelation do you carry that keeps you day in, day out? Else, every single day, something will ask you, who are you serving? You're going to get that question. Who are you serving? You'll be put in a situation every time. Who are you serving? Are you going to serve God or serve this thing instead? pick a side pick a side the Lord is looking for those who are his it is the end time if you don't know that Jesus is coming he is coming they've been saying that since I was 5 years old but now I know he is coming soon but you have to pick a side people no more dabbling in simply open 1st Kings um, the very first scripture we read 1st Kings 18 verse 21 how long would you hesitate between two opinions? How long will you jump from one thing to the other? I love God on Sunday, but hey, I'm going to be somewhere else on Wednesday. You have to have a convicted heart. Be fully persuaded with the word of the Lord in this season. You got to get tired of coming to church and living the same way you've come. If every year looks like last year, then there's something wrong. And I'm not saying it's the car or the house or the good grace. But if you as a person, you're not being transformed, you're not being changed, then there's something that is wrong. Can we rise to our feet, please? This is not an easy word, but it's a word that the Lord has been alarming for the past couple of months. And I believe it's like here in the Gap Church and I didn't sugarcoat anything because I wanted you guys to see the reality of it. If God, Jesus should come tomorrow, what side would you be on? If he should come right this instant, where would you be? All heads bow, all eyes close. If Jesus should come, where would you be? And for those who they're unsure that they will be in the camp of the Lord, please just lift up your hand. I want to see so we can pray for you. If Jesus should come right now, what side of the house would you be? If you've been sinning in any way, shape or form, it might not be the quote unquote big sin. It could have been a lie. Any form of disobedience. Please lift your right hand up, all heads out, bow, all eyes closed. 
Please lift it up so I know that you're the one. Just lift it high up, close to your head or above your head. Remember the Israelites, they were silent. They kept asking, who would you serve? They were silent. But I needed to answer the question right now. Who are you serving? If you're not serving God, please just lift your hands so that we can pray with you right this instant. I see a couple, but I'm not sure because you keep putting your hand down. Please raise your hand. No one is looking. You're before your maker and your father. If he comes this instance, you want to be on the right side. Say this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Help me to know you better. As I accept you today, take over my heart and dwell in me. Forgive me of my old ways. And help me to change to the person you want me to be. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. And I proclaim that you are my God in Jesus' name. You can open your eyes now. Can we just give a round of applause for those who gave their lives to Christ? It was the best decision that you made. I promise you years later, you're going to be happy that on September 2nd, you get September 3rd, you said yes to God. Thank you. Thank you for allowing the word to enter your heart and shift and shake you because it's the best decision. So we're going to be praying a couple of prayers this morning. And I want us to pray that Lord, bind my heart with your word. The Bible says that your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. The fact that we keep on sinning is because the word of the Lord is not on the inside of our hearts. David was living a sinful life. He said, God, hide your word in my heart. Come on, pray that prayer. Hide your word in my heart. Hide your word in my heart. Oh, you got to pray louder than that. Hide your word in my heart. This is a generation that will seek him. These are the people that will take a stance for God. Let God be true and every man be alive. Jesus or nothing else. Jesus or nothing else. Hide your word in my heart. Hide your word in my heart, Lord. I need a revelation of who you are, Lord. I keep hearing about you. There is something I'm still missing, but Lord, remove the scales of my eyes and let me see you high and lifted up. Hide your word in my heart. Hide your word in your, my heart. The prayer allows your heart to be softened for the Lord to enter. Begin to pray and open your mouth. You need your heart to be soft enough for the word of the Lord to enter. You got to open your mouth and pray. I'm just giving you the prayer points where you got to open your mouth and pray. Lord, my heart has been so hardened by trauma, by pain. But something my heart, Lord. I've been through some stuff, Lord, if I'm being honest. I made the wrong decision because I've been through some things, Lord. But something my heart, Lord. Lord. 
that your word might enter into me. I want to be fully convinced. I want to be fully convinced. I need your word to permeate, overflow. He's coming like a flood. He's coming like a flood. Overflow our hearts. Overflow our hearts. Overflow our hearts. Overflow our hearts. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters, Lord. One thing I desire of the Lord, that is which I will seek, that I might gaze upon the Lord. That is my one thing. That is my one thing. No more chasing after money, after validation, after confirmation, after anointing, after talent. But Lord, you are my one thing. You are my one thing, Jesus. You are my one thing. Until my only gaze is you, spirits brood over me. Brood over me. Hover over me. Hover over me. If I'm being honest, I've been dead for quite some time. Come alive within me, Holy Ghost. Come alive within me, Holy Ghost. The Bible says that the word of the Lord is spirit and it's life. If you find on the inside of yourself, you're still in cycles. That you don't have life. Be honest with yourself because God sees you. Come alive within me, Holy Ghost. You are my one thing. You are my one thing. The next prayer point, the last one is like, Lord, give me an undying passion. Give me an undying passion for you. Give me an undying passion for you. It is not a sin to be emotional in God's presence. Passion is something that helps you. Give me an undying passion for the things of God. The Bible says, I was glad when they said I should go to the house of the Lord. Give me undying passion. Jesus or nothing else. Jesus or nothing else. Nothing else matters. Riches do not matter. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. Lord, make us malleable to your word. Make us malleable, oh God. In Jesus' name, just please lift up your right hand right now. Lord, I pray for these ones that they will be fully persuaded, fully convinced that the word of the I am still stands. I pray that these ones in the midst of adversity, when the question comes up, they will not be silent. I pray, oh God, that they will find themselves still standing. I pray that anyone who is going through a hard time, I ask you to remember Job. At the end... The Lord multiplied him. He had to get to a point where he was fully convinced. I pray, oh God, that the weight of your word, the weight of your spirit will live on the inside of us. Let these convictions never die in the name of Jesus. 
Oh Lord, we honor you. Lord, we praise your name. In Jesus' name, please. If today- Thank you for tuning into the Gap Church podcast. We hope this message blessed you. If you made that choice to give your life to Christ, congratulations. We celebrate you. Don't forget to text SAVE to 817-381-5353. Again, text SAVE to 817-381-5353. Thank you so much and have a blessed week.